This is the Purpose Church Podcast. We exist to help every person live on purpose. It is our prayer that this message helps you experience God in a brand new way. Let's finish up our series called A Little Bit of Wisdom Goes a Long Way. A little bit of wisdom goes a long way. Proverbs chapter four, verse seven. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, get wisdom. Wisdom is supreme. Therefore, do everything you can to get it. Bottom line, wisdom comes from God alone. That has been the foundation of this message series. Wisdom comes from God alone. And if it comes from a person, then that person was used by God to give it to you. Wisdom is a heavenly thing that you cannot get it anywhere else. And so Kelly and I wanted to introduce something to you. And some of you already know because you get alerts from your Spotify or Apple podcasts. But we have started something new. And what we want to do is help further resource you with the content that we, we dig into for each series. So basically, we'll, we'll plan the year out with message series. And we'll study, study, study and get a whole bucket full of stuff. But we can only really, within the time restraints, give you about 10 to 20% of what has been studied for. And so we're starting something new, uh, and it released last Thursday, and it's, and it's simply called Purpose Plus. And it's these unscripted conversations, um, which means it can probably get a little rowdy, because if Kelly and I don't have a script, you never know what is going to be on that podcast. And so you're going to have a lot of fun with it. We have a good time. But we're talking about, in this last uh, episode that just dropped on Thursday, how our family specifically is putting into practice the things in which we have learned in this series. So every series, there will be at least one Purpose Plus episode, but also there will be extra bonus content uploaded. Some of us, some of you guys have asked, Pastor, what is your, your take on inflation? I'm like, like balloons or tubes for the river? Like, like what do you want to know? Like, you guys obviously want to know, what do we think about certain things that are happening in the world? What do we think about this? What do we think about that? And we would love to have a platform to be able to share those answers with you that you're asking for, or at least our take on it. So there'll be some things uploaded there too. So go ahead and, and download that too. Now, it's not a separate podcast. There are just extra episodes within the Purpose Church's already long eight-year established podcast stream. So there will be, and it'll say Purpose Plus on it when they're uploaded. So hope you enjoy and hope it helps your family. Today is week five, the finale of the message series, and we're talking about becoming wise with our money. Becoming wise with our money. Now, Landon, why are you meddling? Why are you doing this? In this series, we've been looking at the book of Proverbs and it's the wisdom literature. And we've been digging into what God has to say about very specific things. We've been digging into it. Far be it from us as your pastors to give you five sermons on wisdom and not give you God's wisdom regarding the number one cause for divorce, the number one cause for church splits, and the number one cause of anxiety and medication for anxiety. The church being silent on key issues, in our opinion, is sinful. And so we are going to give you God's word uh, on a very important topic. The last report that came out from the Federal Reserve Bank Center for Microeconomic Data, this report just came out three weeks ago. And if you haven't read it, 
it's not like you are like scanning the internet for the Federal Reserve Bank for Center of Microeconomic Data's reports. But if you have not, let me give you the bullet points. The United States now has a record $16.5 trillion in household consumer debt. A record $11.9 trillion in mortgage debt. A record $1.6 trillion in auto loan debt. A record $986 billion in credit card debt. Total mortgage debt is now double the peak at 2006. 36% of Americans have more credit card debt than savings, with balances rising at the fastest pace since 1999. Mortgage rates have just hit 7.1%, and credit card rates have hit an all-time record of 25%. The average American is now spending a record 46% of their household income on house payments. And we know just from even some of the financial small groups that we've had at the church that have taught you how to budget your money well, that you need to stay around 25 to 28% of your household income in mortgage debt, and we're spending half. So today, we are going to unapologetically have a conversation about money and stewardship. And it's because that's what pastors do. Pastors lead and feed. And if we knew there was a cliff and you're about to walk off of it, we're gonna stop you. And this is one of those very important things. And I get it, people have had a bad run in with pastors and money and churches and money and all of that stuff. And and if you've been here for a while and you can't trust us by now, then I don't know what to tell you, but hopefully you have seen the track record of nearly a decade of planning and preparing and being financially stable with the church, or I don't think we would have made it through COVID. And I believe that it was God's blessing and God's miracle that not only did we make it through COVID, we actually hired an extra staff member, got offices, renovated it, and we're stronger at the end of it than when we went into COVID. And that's because there's, there's a foundation of trust built there between us and you. So hopefully there is a way for you to, to hear what God's word says today. Even if you're a first timer and you're like, I knew I was giving God one more chance and I knew they'd say the word money. I'm gonna say the word money a lot today. Uh, just for you. And so we're going to talk about what God's word says, though, not what Landon thinks. Because we all think different things about money. We all were raised different ways about money. And so let's just do a show of hands. Whose family regularly talked about money? Like your parents taught you how to handle money. There were only three people in the first service. One, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, you guys are twice as smart as first service, all right? Just kidding, <laughs> maybe. Now, whose families hardly ever talked about it or it was confusing and you saw dysfunction with money? It's usually the case. It's overwhelmingly the second. We are not taught about money. And honestly, that's why a lot of us don't know how to spend money. A lot of us don't know how to make money or grow money. We don't know how to lose money. So we got to talk about it. In families and churches, one of the things that we are super private about is money. And I think that that's a very sad thing. In Proverbs It's like an open letter from a dad to his son. And he says, son, you got to know these things. That's basically how Proverbs is written. Like, like, kid, you got to know this stuff. Son, you need to know these things. And if you listen to me and you heed these words, your life is going to be better off. It's that simple. Here's a key truth for today. If you keep your finances in the dark, you'll never keep them in the black. And we have to talk about this. 
and I know it's the number one reason for divorce, far more, over 10% more of divorce rates are because of money, not adultery. We are better at making it through infidelity than we are money problems. We have to talk about it. 65% of American marriages are ending in divorce, and most of them are because of money issues. The church has to talk about it. And if you keep them in the dark, you won't keep them in the black. Somebody say amen. Now here's the bottom line though. If we're going to mature as disciples, we have to learn how to steward God's money. Whose money? God's money. And the Proverbs are time-tested and God-inspired principles. This is not chicken soup for the soul. This is God's word and we need to know this. So let's learn how to be wiser with our money. And in order to start, let's pray. Put your hand over your heart. Get it ready. Get it ready. Some of y'all are putting your hand on your neighbor's heart. That's no, I said yours. Heavenly Father, I pray for every married couple in this room that's struggling financially. I pray for the college students in the room that are wondering how they can pay skyrocketing tuition. For those who are trying to figure out how to pay their rent and for the seniors here that are worrying and wondering how to retire for the singles that are trying to figure out how to pay their bills with one income, for those who want to buy a home but want to be wise as they observe rising interest rates. God, help us today with your divine wisdom to learn how to be wiser with money. And if you are ready for it and believe it and receive it, say amen. Ecclesiastes 5 and 10 says, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The problem is that our society loves money. We love money. That's why the Kardashians are famous. They are terrible and they're famous just because they're rich. They ain't done nothing for nobody. And it's just because they're rich. And, and, and it's, we are obsessed with rich and we're obsessed with the lifestyles of the rich and famous. We are obsessed with this concept and we pour over it and we follow them online. And I guarantee you, most of you have not intentionally followed a poor person on Instagram. Like, oh my gosh, here's another broke person that I need to learn from and follow. Like, can you believe they lost their job? I'm going to retweet that. Can you, can you believe how cheap of seats they got? Look at these cheap seats. No, why? Because TV doesn't show the nosebleeds. They show the VIPs. Our society is in love with money and it's because we cannot find true happiness because the Bible is very clear as to why. You can be rich and miserable, but you can also be poor and miserable. Everybody say amen to that. You know that's true. You can be broke and miserable or rich and miserable. You know why? Because greediness doesn't check a tax return before it invades your heart. Greed is the love of money. And Jesus said, you can't serve God and money because in the end, you're gonna love one and hate the other. We're gonna talk about how to be wise with money today. Very simple points. Point number one, don't expect money. You have to work for it. And all God's people said, amen. I mean, don't expect it. You got to work for it. Look what Proverbs 10, 4 says. Lazy people are poor. Hard workers get rich. Now, the Bible's not against money. Because money as a tool in the hands of a submitted, surrendered Christian 
is a powerful weapon for the kingdom. But when money is given to us who are foolish and unwise, it's destructive. And if it's just given away, given away, given away. And a lot of those statistics we just read were forecasted to happen when all of us took our stimulus money and lost it in a week. And you don't even remember what you bought with it. Because when money is just given, it disappears. Lazy people are poor. If we don't work hard, and you might be saying, that's not always true, Landon. Everybody knows a liar or an idiot that got rich. I mean, come on, we all know, usually on TV, but we all know someone married into money or daddy died and gave them all the money or something like that. But honestly, aren't we all secretly hoping that happens to us? Like somebody died, you got a rich uncle that, that runs some shady bank in the Caymans. You're like, I'm gonna redeem all the money for Jesus. I'm gonna redeem it. You're, hope, you're secretly hoping that 23andMe will reveal that you're some oligarch's descendant and you're about to get loaded. You're secretly hoping that your DNA swab will prove that you're about to get rich. We all want that. But what about hard work? The great philosopher Lloyd in the movie Dumb and Dumber said it this way, there's not a single job in this town unless you want to work 40 hours a week. Pretty bird, pretty bird. We as a society have forgotten about hard work. I wonder how we get that back. Most of us, our last names come from what our ancestors did for a living. And I was researching some, it's pretty, it's pretty simple. Like if your last name's Smith, you're like, you're probably, you're the descendants of a blacksmith or something like that. Like there, if your last name's Shepherd, that's an easy one. You know, it's like, there's, there's some pretty simple ones there to understand. But there was one I found called Marler. And if your last name's Marler in the room, and I'm not making fun of you, I'm just simply sharing with you your family's heritage and you were poop scoopers. That's what the word meant. You were a poop scooper. Your ancestors were poop scoopers, congratulations. But we all come from something, it was this hard work and we, we were identified by our hard work. And now we're all identified by whatever we make up. And we're losing our society. Proverbs 13, 11, wealth from get rich quick schemes quickly disappears, wealth from hard work grows over time. Now you're thinking, how did Solomon know about pyramid schemes? They've been around forever. I've never... I've never really paid attention to them, so I started getting ready to write this sermon, right? And then it pops up everywhere. But I drive down Old Wiedersheim every day. And there's those little signs, you know, those little choroplast signs that people stick in someone's yard illegally because you're supposed to have a sign permit and certs and so below. So they, they stick them in people's yards. And I remember, I was just reading some, and it was really funny. And it was like, real estate investor seeks apprentice, dot, 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 get rich in all caps with a phone number. What about one that says, we'll buy your house for cash today, written in Sharpie. <laughs> and my thought is this, if you're actually a real estate investor, I think you could afford a better sign. And no joke, I actually saw a sign this week where the individual wrote it in dry erase marker instead of Sharpie, and it was like crying, the sign was crying from the dew of the morning, this guy wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed. The Bible's very clear. 
Money gotten quickly will be spent quickly. It flies away. Did you know that, and this is, this is raw data from two months ago report, 70% of lottery winners are bankrupt in 16 months. 70% of lottery winners are bankrupt. Now, what, what if you and I, in the name of the Lord, all played the lottery so we could get a building? All right, like what if, I'm just, we're not doing that, by the way, y'all calm down. But let's say you won. I saw this lady, I was at the barber the other day, and they, it was that TV show, My Lottery Dream Home on HGTV. And this couple had won $700 million. And, and they were going all around California looking for a house and their money could get them a one bedroom. So they were looking. <laughs> I knew y'all laugh at that, you bunch of Texans. You're like, ha ha, I knew you'd laugh at it. Y'all are wrong for that. Anyway, albeit true, they're looking for this house. And I'm thinking like, how could you lose $700 million in a year and a half? Now, what if you were given, let's just say, let's go wait, let's say $5 million. Who would want $5 million given to them today? I mean, come on, come on. You have not because you asked not. I mean, I'm just saying. It's in the Bible. Now, if you get $5 million, you better tithe for the building, all right? Buildings ain't cheap. But if you, let's say, you get $5 million, you are at a 70 to 80% chance of being bankrupt next year. Isn't that crazy to even think? Because the Bible says if you get it quick, it disappears quick without wisdom. My kids, when we're shopping on my dime, when it's money that they think has just been gotten quickly, they're like, daddy's the best. He's gonna buy everything. Mom always says no. Dad always says yes. But when it's their money, they're like, I I don't think I need pants. I think I'm good. Like, dad, you know, inflation. Like, I don't need pants. Like, they, you know. Proverbs 13, 19 says, it is pleasant to see dreams come true, but fools refuse to turn from their evil to attain them. Wow. Dreams are there from God. They're important. It's great to have these dreams. And God put some of those dreams in your heart. But what's keeping us from our dreams is sin. It's the evil that's keeping us from seeing them come to reality. It's not God blocking you. It's our sin that's blocking us. God wants to bless you, not block you. Somebody say amen to that. Ecclesiastes 10, fools are so exhausted by a little hard work, they can't even find their way home. I love this scripture. I'm gonna put it up in our loft in the room so the kids have to kiss it every day. Fools are exhausted by a little work. Clean up your toys. And all of a sudden, it's just so slow and They're so tired and it's just, and you're like, are you kidding me? And fools are exhausted by a little bit of work. So I remember thinking like my, my papa, my pa, my papa, poopa, peepa, pow, pow, all of the paws were hard workers. And I grew up in an oil field town and they would come pick us up after school and they're just covered in rust and oil. And we, we would go to Stars Drive-In, which is like a knockoff Sonic. And we'd go get a cherry limeade and, and talk. And they would, I would ask them, what did you do at work today? And they're like, ah, oh, I welded this, welded that, blah, blah, blah. They were happy. Now, if you meet somebody who works 40 hours a week, which, by the way, is like pretty low. 40 hours is like bare bones work time. So if you're working 40 hours and you come home 
and you're just so exhausted. There's foolishness in your heart somewhere because you've lost why you're doing it. And don't blame it on your boss or blame it on your job because I've seen people who are marlers, who are poop scoopers, proverbially, and come home with joy in their heart because of why they're doing it, who they're doing it for, and it's all surrendered and submitted to God anyway. It's a powerful thing. So the moment I start to feel bad for myself or start feeling tired, I start identifying, God, what part of me is not submitted now? Because I'm feeling foolish because the identification of a fool in regards to money is exhaustion. So we have to think through that. The New Century Version says, work will wear a fool out. My kids have chores and they don't get paid for it. If you pay your kids for chores, that's fine, whatever. But you live here already, it's a lot for you to live here, all right? So you just need to pull your weight. That's how we do it. You do it however you want. And, and I'm like, hey, get out there and scoop poop. And this literally happened on Wednesday. And they go like this. All of a sudden, they're the hunchback of Notre Dame. And I'm like, all right, Quasimodo, like, get out there. And then I said that, and Bradley was like, Dad said a cuss word. I'm like, you don't even know what Quasimodo is. Stop talking. So, and, then, and he goes, Dad, I did that last week. And now all of a sudden, they're like, they're not even hurt and they're walking with a limp. Have you ever noticed that? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, but dogs poop every day. So get out there. A little hard work isn't gonna kill you. Like, and I think we have to teach our children how to find joy in hard work again. And it's very difficult when um, our generations have gotten more and more used to just being given things. And we have to fight hard against it. That's why I love about our student ministry team here and our children's team here that are teaching children how to stand on God's word and not their own intellect. And they will be uh, young men and women who go out into society and change the world for the better because they're founded on the word of God. You should give our kids and next gen and youth departments a round of applause for all the hard work they do. They do a great job. All right, so don't expect money. It's not coming. Just forget about it, all right? Dick Clark or whoever it was that shows up at doors with giant checks and balloons, Publishers Clearinghouse, whoever that guy is, he's not coming. He's not coming. There's no pyramid scheme. Stop Googling, get rich quick. It's never gonna happen. Work for it. Work for it. It's, a, it's actually worship to God. Number two, stop foolish spending. Stop foolish <laughs> I didn't say stop spending. I said stop foolish spending. Here's a rule that Landon has for his self, all right? Don't buy anything after midnight. <laughs> you are not really awake. Anything Amazon dings your phone with at midnight is something you don't need. You don't need a quadruple stacked air fryer with inverter capabilities. You don't need that. You, you, you don't need 9,000 cotter pins. You just need one. Like you don't, there's just certain things you don't need. It tells you that you do need. And how many of us, our garages are full of dumb decisions? How many of us? Y'all are so on. I love y'all. The first service wouldn't answer. Our, our garage, mine is, our garages are full of dumb decisions. And I believe that garage sales are actually like confessions of the soul. And I know here, like in Belmont Park and Riata, they'll do like a big neighborhood garage sale weekend. 
like in May and October. And so it's like walking around a cemetery of crushed dreams and bad decisions. And you're like, oh, I knew they were into that. It's like you just, it's, you just walk around and judge everybody. It's awful. But Proverbs 13, 16 says this, wise people think before they act. Fools don't. They even brag about their foolishness. Proverbs 21, 20, the wise have wealth and luxury, but fools spend whatever they get. I remember we, when we were having church at the church, Charter school, there was an individual that uh, came to our church there. He, soon, he since moved out of state. I still won't tell you his name, but he doesn't go to church anymore. And, uh, and it was before the second service, and there's people walking in and out. And y'all remember that venue? It was tiny, and you, you, know, you just saw everybody long hallway. super awkward for church. But, so I felt bad about doing this after that fact. Um, but he's like, hey, you got to come see what's in the parking lot. And if I was a youth pastor still, I would have been like, I'm not following you anywhere. But now that y'all are adults, I'll follow you if you say, hey, come look at this. Hey, come smell this. And I'll, I'll follow you. <laughs> but I go outside and there's this gorgeous pickup truck. And, and I love cars and I love trucks and I know the price points and I'm always looking for a deal. And, and I used to actually like buy cars low and sell them and make a little money on the side. I would go to auctions and buy cars and sell them off and stuff. And so I'm always looking just as a hobby. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and I knew how much that truck costs. I knew the trim level, I knew the truck, and I also knew what this gentleman did for a living. And I couldn't, and Kelly says I'm very transparent and I just couldn't lie. And, and, he, and he was like, what do you think? And I was like, what are you doing? He's like, what? You wanna go for a ride? I'm like, no, I'm not riding in the cockpit of dysfunction. This was an awful idea. And I'm like, wait, there's people around. Hey, come over here, bro. I'm like, dude, I know what you do for a living. You've got to get rid of this truck. And then he made it worse, told me his interest rate. His car payments were $893 a month. Give me the oxygen back. I got... <laughs> Guys, we are foolish when we don't ask God for wisdom. Foolish. Foolish spending actually ends up hurting our own grandchildren. We all need God's wisdom. How scary is it that in today's culture in the United States, higher learning institutions are filing for bankruptcy? These are the people that we pay to teach us how to be smart. And colleges are filing for bankruptcy. I don't even know if that's ever happened in our country before. Living a lifestyle you can afford is actually a spiritual form of worship to God himself. It's worship to God. Proverbs 13, seven, some who are poor pretend to be rich. Kelly and I used to live in Dallas and Dallas is nicknamed the land of the $30,000 millionaire. And it's because people don't make a lot of money there. Uh, it's a very transient city. It's not like San Antonio where La Familia, we're all Spurs fans, we've been here for 150 years. Dallas, nobody's from Dallas or from Austin. You know, San Antonio's the only one worth living in. So it's like, it's just <laughs> definitely not Austin. It all got people said, amen. But I remember thinking, man, how do they do that? In the churches I worked at, how do they do that? Because we're keeping up with other people with our foolishness and the foolishness turns into this cycle. So you and I need to learn how to be authentic and mature with our money and how to be authentic and mature with conversations about money. 
And let's be self-aware and pray prayers like this one in Proverbs chapter 30. Two things I ask, oh God, sometime before I die, would you grant these humble requests? Eliminate any hint of worthless and deceitful words from my lips. Do not make me poor or rich, but give me every day what I need. For if I have too much, I might forget that you were the one who provides. And I'll end up saying things like, who is the eternal one? And if I don't have enough, I might end up being hungry and turn to stealing and dishonor the good name of my Lord. See guys, a life of financial stability comes from a heart that is set on honoring God with all of our life. A heart like that asks for wisdom before taking a promotion because not all moves up are a move up. A heart like that does not rob God by stealing the tithe. A heart like that gives to eternal purposes. A heart like that isn't full of anxiety every payday because they know where their provision comes from. Which leads us to our last point, number three. We gotta realize spending is spiritual. Spending is spiritual. Proverbs 27, 23 says, know the state of your flock and put your heart into caring for your herd for riches don't last forever. And the crown might not be passed to the next generation. This is a king writing to his son. And he's saying, son, if you don't make good choices, if you, if you don't understand what you're doing right now, if your heart is not fully submitted to God, if you don't know the condition of your investments, your home, your checkbook, your finances, if you don't know the state of your flock, you will not see the generational impact in a positive way. So we have to, as maturing Christians, evaluate the condition of our home currently. And this is where the concept of contentment comes into play. Do you truthfully need what you're looking at? Do you truthfully need it? Your spending shows not only where priorities might be, but where your values lie. And we can say we love Jesus and even come to church, but then we dishonor God with our mouths and refuse to order our lives in order to return to God what is his, and that makes our words meaningless. Because, James chapter two, the half-brother of Jesus, the pastor of the church at Jerusalem says, just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without corresponding works. Faith without works is dead. And so we, what the New Testament would call walking corpses, like we, we, we become robots in our dysfunction, in our sin, and in our inactivity spiritually, and then we wonder why our decisions are not blessed. It's because they weren't wise and anointed decisions. And some of you guys have told me you want to start businesses, you want to expand your family, you want to buy a home, you want to start investing in real estate, you want to start um, figuring out how investments could affect your family because you're not sure Social Security will be there when you're old. And you're wondering all these things, you and I need wisdom right now. And yeah, we got to stop the foolish spending and yeah, we got to take a look at it 
But we got to see this is a spiritual thing. Because the Bible says where your money is, there your heart is. It's a very spiritual thing. And a biblical and wise handling of money, by definition, is called stewardship. Everybody say stewardship. Stewardship is simply meaning it's all God's. How much of it? All. It's all God's. And we are just simply stewarding what he's given us. And not to hide it and just maintain it, but to increase it. To maximize it for the kingdom. God blesses his people. God blesses us with many resources, including money. But that blessing comes with the responsibility of using it for God's glory. Some of you guys, um, you have a beautiful home. And a lot of you live in the surrounding neighborhoods. And you are maximizing that beautiful home God's given you by letting 110 children invade your homes for next-gen small groups every single week. That's maximizing square footage so children can be discipled so their grandchildren can know Jesus all because you said yes and vacuumed your house. You're maximizing your resource for the kingdom of God. Everything comes from him. The song we just sang, you're worthy of it all. For from him are all things and to him are all things. You deserve the glory. First Corinthians 4, 7. What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, then why are you boasting about it as if it wasn't a gift? Everything you have is from God. See, godly stewardship not only lifts us out of debt, everybody, it sets us on a new path where we, you and I can discover the freedom God wants for us and our loved ones. And the world is not in danger of running out of resources. It's in danger of running out of stewards. Another report I read uh, in study for uh, this message series was that they are expecting the, the church in America to be bankrupt in 20 years because the new generations coming up have not been discipled by their parents to live beyond themselves and to give to God what's his. And if we don't want our churches to turn into museums like Europe, Less than 4% of Europe is Christian, by the way. Less than 4%. If we don't want our churches to turn into cathedrals for a kid rock music video, you and I have got to disciple our children. And the only way to do that is by action, by you and I doing the uncomfortable things now that they can see and model. And then they, your ceiling will be their floor. And that's what we're trying to do here at this church. We're not trying to entertain you. I think our band does a great job. I put them up against anybody in town. Right. I think they do a great job, but they are not here to entertain you. They want to love you and, and help you connect with God today. And they prepared your heart to receive scriptures like this in Proverbs 3. In all of your ways, submit to him. And he will make your paths what? Straight. It doesn't say easy. It says straight. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits, the best of all your crops, and then, and in Hebrew, it's then and only then, will your pocketbook be overflowing and your vats brim over with what kind of wine? New wine. So we give God our best. See, you and I eat leftovers. We love leftover pizza for breakfast when it's cold. 
You and I eat leftovers, but we don't give God our leftovers. He deserves our best. The Hebrew Bible calls it, God says this in the Hebrew Bible, it says, do not bring me your disfigured lambs. And I was like, that's weird. And I was reading it and I looked into it. And imagine you're a shepherd and you're looking around your flocks and it's time to go to church and you're looking around for what to bring to God. And you look over there, you're like, mm, that's some fat mutton right there. That, they're gonna get me a lot of money when I sell their shanks to Chamagaucha. That's their, that, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna hold on to them. Those are great for the rodeo. Some kid's gonna ride them and I'm gonna make money. I'm gonna hold on to those. Those over there, I'm gonna shear those. I'm gonna make a lot of money making clothes. Oh, there's one. And he's over there like in the corner, like one leg shorter than the other. It's got two hooves on one leg. And it's like, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna bring my disfigured lamb to, you come to church with this disfigured, jacked up inbred lamb. Just imagine, like, that's what we do when we don't honor God with our best. We're looking for the leftovers after we make all the payments on all the things we couldn't afford to begin with. And after we pay all of our streaming subscriptions, which, by the way, is a scam, which is way more expensive than cable ever was. And you look up and you're wasting all of this money on television that's just indoctrinating your children to hate God. And then we're finding out there's all of these things that we're doing that's actually investing in the destruction of our last name, not the improvement of God's kingdom or the solidification of the foundation of our grandchildren. Let's stop bringing sick, disfigured, inbred lambs to God and give him our best and be wise with what he's entrusted to us. And we gotta look around and see, am I, am I honoring God with my best time? Am I honoring God with my best of the money he's entrusted to me? Am I honoring God with the best of the home that he's giving me? Am I honoring God with the best of my energy? It says, honor God, then submit to God. And then, and only then, will you overflow with what kind of wine? New wine. And to find the new, you have to think new. If your life is like sour old wine, if every time you log into your bank account, it's the same story for a decade. You're worried, anxious, worried, anxious, get a tax return, disappears in 30 seconds. It's this thing over and over and over for decades. If your life is sour wine, you have to have real conversations about your offering because sour wine only comes from offering God disfigured lambs. If we honor God our best, then he promises overflow and he promises new energy, new joy, new opportunities, new blessing. He promises that in his word. In order for this to happen, we have to be real and have real conversations with our spouse about money and spending. And we have to have some help and godly wisdom to get us on the right path. So as a church, we have invested in a resource that is free to everyone that calls this church home. It's called the Fully Funded Life. And how many of you remember uh, about a year or two years ago, Joe Sengel came to church and preached? Go ahead and put the slide up. That Joe Sengel came to church and, and he was like, oh, let's get fired up about money. Let's get fired up. Let's get fired up. He was fired up. It was like, he was fired up about helping people get financially free. And he runs a ministry called I Was Broke, But Now I'm Not. And he's a contemporary of Dave Ramsey and they do a lot of stuff together, but their programs are a little bit different. 
And Joe invited our church to be part of this program where if you need financial coaching and tools, even one-on-one coaching through Zoom, his employees are available to you for free just because you go to church here. So you don't gotta call the church office and say, can Landon teach me about money? Because I don't know all this stuff. And so for a while, we've had financial coaches here we could refer you to, but they've been getting overloaded. And then this came, and all you gotta do is reach out to them. And so there's a card with this information they're gonna give you on the way out the door today. There is a financial resource available to you guys because you have already been so generous. And because of that, our church is a part of this and you're able to have biblically-based, wise financial coaching for free. Somebody say amen to that. So no excuses. No excuses. You know what God's word says? And there's a resource for you to get it in order. The only reason you don't wanna do it is if foolishness lives in your heart and you wanna keep it in the dark and you're scared of what it'll mean if you start to tithe and you're scared of this, you're scared. I promise you, I've never met one person who started giving to God their best and has asked for their money back or regretted it. Been in ministry 19 years and had not with one person take me up on my offer that if God doesn't come through, I'll give you your money back. Not one person. And I'm telling you this with all certainty. Living free isn't just for eternity, it's also for now. And the devil's got some of us locked up in the dark. And because your finances are in the dark, they're not in the black. And God wants to see you set free. We want the people that call the Purpose Church home. When you see big banners and sort of say live on purpose, that includes everything. Physically, emotionally, financially, in your family, your marriages. Live on purpose in all of it and watch God come through over and over and over again. He will never withhold blessing from you. You and I, we want this church to be people who are just set free in all areas. We want people to go, man, the people that go to that church, they are just killing it in life. People that go, what are they doing over there? It's just the Bible. So I'm gonna ask you to do something now. Go ahead and stand to your feet. The band's gonna go ahead and come on out and get me, help me end the message today. You and I are gonna bring an offering, not financial, unless you want to, because we are trying to build a building. I won't say no. We're gonna bring an offering and we're gonna make a declaration. Here's the offerings an offering of humility where we're asking God to forgive us. An offering of humility and asking God to forgive us for trying to do this our own way and then blaming him when things don't work out. And an offering of surrender and asking God for wisdom with our next steps from this church service. Like, what do we do now? We just gave you the resource. That's a great next step probably having a conversation in a nice, calm environment. Um, we talked to our small group on Wednesday night that the, the best way to have hard conversations is to make sure there's like some kind of candy or milkshakes or something after. You know, so there's like a reward for having to be an adult. It works, I'm telling you. Just go to Waterburger, wait in that 95-minute line and get a milkshake. Y'all know it's true. Why can't they learn from Chick-fil-A? I don't know why. Anyway, have a conversation, submit to God. Surrender it all to him 
and you'll never regret it. But if you keep it in the dark, it builds this anxiety. It's like a, it's like a volcano getting ready to erupt. And it ends with divorce for too many people. Let's get it out in the dark because the devil's like a cockroach. When you take the, the, the rock off and he's there, he scatters. He can't survive in the light. He only thrives in the dark. So bring an offering of humility and ask him for forgiveness. Bring an offering of surrender and ask him for wisdom. And when the prayer team comes down here, they're gonna be available to you to pray with you in those surrender moments. They're also available to you if you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. That is the first step to all of these promises actually being available to you. And if you want the promises and the joy and the peace and the stability and the purpose that is promised in this authoritative absolute book of truth, Jesus Christ being your Lord and Savior is step number one. The prayer team is also there to pray with you about that. There's communion on the sides of the room at these little tables and we encourage you as the the Bible says, as often as you do it. So if you wanna do it every week, do it. If you wanna do it once a month, do it. If you wanna do it once a year, do it. Whatever it is for you. But you take that back to your seat and you remember the blood of Jesus that was spilled for your sin. And then before the band begins to sing one last song as we do our response time, we're gonna say this declaration out loud together. Out loud, all of us together. And it's gonna be powerful. It's up on the screens. And we are going to declare some things. There is power in making declarations. There's power in getting something into the atmosphere. And it's, a sci- it's actually science has proven that, by the way. We don't have time to talk about it, but there is something powerful about getting this out of your mouth and into the environment. So we're gonna do that together today. Are you ready? I mean, I I was like tapping my keys hard typing this because I was pumped, all right? So let's go. Are you ready? Ready, one, two, ready, read. I confess that I am obedient and faithful to the direction of the Lord. Instead of surrendering to the attacks that are assailing my finances, I am going to throw a knockout punch at the face of the devil. At this critical moment, I am going to step out in obedience and with full faith. Once I obey what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do, I will boldly command the devil to take his foul hands off my finances. It won't be long before the seed I sow is multiplied back into my life. Then I will stand in the manifestation of God's blessings. God, I thank you for honoring your word and causing my situation to turn around. I thank you in advance for the abundance that is going to start flowing into my life. Now hold your hands out to receive it. Surrender to him in this moment. God, we know that you're a God of more than enough. God, forgive us of our sin that has kept us from receiving your best. God, you're not trying to block us. You're trying to bless us. And we repent now of all of the mindsets and all of the past decisions that have been without your wisdom. We're starting new today that your blood is even making that possible for us to say. And we say right now, devil, get your hands out of our finances. We will obey God's word and see blessing and 
and increase over and over and over again. Overflow, come to your families in Jesus' name. Prosperity beyond what you could even imagine. Overflowing and more than enough because you honored the word of God. So Father, as we take this next step, would you see that sacrifice of obedience and will we never be the same? In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Purpose Church Podcast. If God used this message to impact your life, tell us your story by emailing thepurposechurch.com. Be sure to follow us on social media and check out our website at thepurposechurch.com to get connected and receive all the latest information.